Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. This is a verse that I had always thought for the longest time growing up, and really until rather recently, I would say, that on the surface it sounds like open your mouth as wide as possible and God will fill it with all manner of blessing. God will fill it with blessing. But what I've come to realize is that this is referring to something quite different when uh, you think of it uh, in a different way. It says, open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. If I can put the emphasis that way. I will fill it. I will fill your mouth. I will be the answer that you need. Me, myself, God, his person, Jesus Christ, filling our lives. It's similar to what I mentioned in Psalm 23, verse 1, when when it reads, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Again, growing up, you would uh, read a verse like that and say, Oh, we'll not have any wants. We'll, we'll have all of our needs supplied. And there's, a, there's an aspect of truth in there. But the focus is all wrong, I believe. What will he not be in want of? It's a shepherd. Because the Lord is my shepherd. I will not want that. And that's similar to this. Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. So often our prayers are consumed with what I call the supporting characters in our lives, those things that surround us. People, our health, uh, financial needs that we may have, our relationships, our work, our church life. And these are all very important and worthy to be prayed for. But often this is the sum and substance of our focus, is, is on the supporting characters, if I can put it that way, of our life. All these things that surround us. But the main, the primary need of our heart is not that we have our financial situation sorted out or that we have that particular job or that even our families are where we want them to be. That's not the primary need of my heart, anyway. The primary need of my heart is that I will be filled with God himself so that let all the supporting characters in my life um, crumble, in a sense, let them all, let the earth be removed and the mountains be cast into the sea. All those things that naturally and normally we would look to for stability and peace and happiness and our joy, so often wrapped up in these things. No, let all these things be taken away. Put my trust, my confidence in the Lord. I want to have the primary request answered in my life. 
Now, all these other requests are important, so I really don't want to be misunderstood. But I just want for us to get the fact that the primary request that we have, the biggest need that we all have, is for the filling of God Himself in our lives. God Himself in our lives. If you read the surrounding verses of this psalm, Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. But my people would not hearken to my voice. How sad. And Israel would none of me. Isn't that amazing? Here's the Lord making this offer. It's it's a promise. Open thy mouth wide. I myself will fill it. But Israel would none of me. And what was their main problem? I gave them up unto their own heart's lust. In the verses above, in verse 9, it says, There shall no strange God be in thee, neither shalt thou worship any strange God. So what we have going on here is God presenting himself as the great answer for our greatest need. Tozer wrote that wonderful book that I always like to reread every so often, The Pursuit of God, The Pursuit of God Himself. And yet, what do you see the children of Israel doing? They're going after strange gods. They're going after the gods of the Amorites, the gods of the lands around them. And you might read that and say, well, certainly I'm not doing that. And then we dismiss uh, the application. But don't miss it. When you go after anything other than God, you're going after strange gods. I, I liken it to this. Um, you know, there's that verse there in um, Chronicles, I believe. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of them whose heart is what? Perfect. Does that mean sinless perfection? No. It means that there's a, a wholeheartedness. It's not divided. Your, 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 your worship, your worthship, the things that you give worth to, the things that you are giving your heart to, it's not divided. Whose heart is perfect toward him. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro. He's going to show himself strong on the behalf of them whose heart is perfect, whose heart is wholehearted. It's not being given to strange gods, in other words, because that was the problem that we see here in Psalm 81. Strange gods. And we're thinking again, that's not me, that's not me, it doesn't apply to me. I'm not worshiping strange gods. I would say that if we have any division in our heart, even the slightest division of, of our heart, of devotion to anyone other than God. It could be our families. It could be uh, our work, our ministries. It could be our church. It could be good things in and of themselves, but any division in our heart that we give to something else, those are strange gods. It's not God, so it's a strange God. 
And now you might be thinking, well, how possible is that for a Christian to give themselves wholeheartedly like that to God? How possible is that? Well, I like to illustrate it like this. If you have a husband and a wife situation, you, you tell that to your spouse. How, how possible really is it for me to give my whole heart to you, spouse? I mean, really. Um, isn't it enough that I give you 80%? So, for example, for 80% of, if you want to just uh, put it in these terms, 80% of all my texts that go out are going to you, spouse. And just 20% are going to this other interest, love interest that I have in my life. Just 20%. Or let's say it's 99%. Not Out of every 99 texts that I send to my spouse, I send one text to another love interest in my life. Do you think our spouses would, would, would accept that? Of course not. They would, no. They want our whole heart. And if we can see that in a human relationship, and it's very clear there, well, it's no different with the Lord. He wants our whole heart. 99% is not good enough. Just like 99% of your love to your spouse and 1% to this other mistress, that's not going to work at all. It's wholehearted. And so that's what the Lord is looking. No strange gods. No competing loves in our life whose heart is perfect. And that's what we read about Job as well. Job was a man that was perfect and upright. And he eschewed evil. And this is why the Lord um, pointed him out. He was perfect. I used, like again, in the early days, I used to think, wow, he was perfect. That's, um, I, I sure can't do that. No, it just means that his heart was fully given over to the Lord. He didn't have any competing loves. It doesn't mean that we can't be engaged in, in other uh, responsibilities in life, just like in a, in a married couple. Just think of it that way. It's not as if we're gazing into the eyes of our spouse 24 hours a day and we're doing nothing else. We're doing everything that we have to do in this world. We have to work. We have to go about our business. But our hearts are not given to anyone else other than to our spouse. It's the same with, with all that we have. I mean, I, I feel myself to be in the busiest time of my life. But But that doesn't mean that I just have to shut down everything that I'm doing and, uh, and, and be sitting at my desk reading the Bible 24 hours a day. That is not what that is saying. It's talking about our heart. By the way, you could be sitting at your desk for 24 hours a day and, and your heart still be a million miles away from the Lord. I think we all understand that. You can be in this prayer meeting for 500 and what, almost 90 days now and your heart be a million miles away. So the actual activity is, is, is a little bit beside the point. It's about our heart. My son, give me thine heart. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these supporting characters in our lives. They'll be added to us. The financial needs, the health needs, all these things, will they all be perfectly solved in this world? No. But the primary need of our heart will be there. What is the best thing I can do for my kids, honestly? 
the best thing I can do for my kids and my spouse for that matter is for me to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That doesn't sound very uh, practical. It is. They see a father that loves God and whose life backs up the claims of whatever I'm saying or the, the Bible itself. That's powerful. They see the opposite, which is, I'm saying hip, uh, hypothetically, if they see the opposite, and often sometimes it's sadly true, but if they see the opposite, that will be the most destructive thing. Because on one hand, you have this life, life, abundant life, and on the other hand, you have a moping, griping, miserable, <laughs> grumpy specimen of Christianity. Uh, the best thing I can do for my kids is to be filled, is to have my mouth open wide and have God himself filling it. So, my prayer, and I hope we can focus our prayer today, is for God to fill our hearts. There's no competing love interest in our lives. Not even 1%. There's nothing that we're secretly loving or engaging in. Uh, again, it doesn't mean that we have to exit this world. I mean, if we, we, we live here. We have to work, live and breathe. And We're talking about our heart. And the Lord has to uh, instruct you on the particulars of that. But that is where my heart has been. I've been thinking a lot about my family, as you are too. And what is the best thing we can do for them? Is that we ourselves are living, exemplary, joyful, abundant, powerful Christian lives. Amen.